Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And Alice, congratulations to you. Congratulations to you, buddy, on 40 episodes Congratulations and two years. to us for Yay! 40 episodes and two years of the podcast. Alice, making this podcast with you has been a joy for the last two years. Oh, absolutely. It's really, I said it on Twitter, I said it on Discord, and I'll say it again. This has really been one of the most creatively fulfilling and like exciting projects that I've ever done. And I'm super happy that you called me up two years ago to yell at me about this theme park podcast <laughs> idea that you had. <laughs> oh, oh, the memories. Two years ago, the halcyon days of our youths. Um, and I remember that the we've told this story before, but uh, that the idea was to do just one. And Just to try fun. it out and to see what we thought and if people liked it. And gosh darn it, we liked doing it and people liked it. And here we are two years two years later reconvening for the 40th time to make this show. And I couldn't be happier with how it's turned out. And gosh, that's the 40th like episode. This is the 40th episode, but we've got also dozens of mini episodes scattered throughout not just this feed, but up on our Patreon as well. Yeah, I mean, like, this is by no means the 40th thing we've done for the podcast. There's the Lost Mystery Spot episode. Um, there's <laughs> the, uh, wow, there's the episodes, yeah, up on the Patreon. There's the minisodes and stuff. There's all of the writing and tweets. And, like, I just feel like this whole thing has been... When we were going to do one episode, I didn't see it becoming this big a part of my life. I thought maybe it was just going to be this fun thing that we did, but... What it has become is, I mean, just, just, yeah, the most fulfilling artistic thing that you and I have ever done. And wow, it's amazing. It's so, it's so wonderful to do. And it really would not be possible without you guys, the listeners. Thank you so much for sitting down every other week or so for an hour or so and listening to us talk about these things that we love so much and that we care about more than almost anything and <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a labor of love and it really would not be possible without the listeners and without some special listeners specifically yeah, it's the top of the episode. We always say we're going to do this at the top of the episode, but we always save it for the back of the episode. <laughs> but I this guess... time, we're here at the top thanking our Patreon subscribers and specifically thanking our uh, D-Ticket Patreon subscribers, uh, Aslam Chaudhry and Charles Gustine. You are both gentlemen and scholars. You are part of what makes this show so great to make. And to everybody on the Patreon, uh, just thank you so much for being there, sharing with us. Um, last month we did the joust. The joust only exists because of the Patreon. And like <laughs> we paid for an entire show with the Patreon. We did it. I'm so <laughs> proud. Um, and I hope that this is only the beginning for those happy places and those happy podcasts in general. Absolutely. So thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone on the Patreon. And But for those of you who are not on our Patreon, that's totally fine. We understand. Um, 
and we love you anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you know what? The the best thing you could do for the show, if contributing monetarily is not possible right now, is to think of someone you know who would like it and share it with them. Because every time somebody discovers the show and tells us about it, that's like the best day of our weeks oh, or months. I uh, screenshot every tweet. Every time somebody tweets at me that says, just found your show, I really like it. I screenshot that and I save that into my phone so I can look at when I'm feeling sad. <laughs> that is not a joke. <laughs> I am literally 100% there with you. Uh, yeah. And I, I hold on to those memories of people being like, yo, y this is a show that exists. This is my thing. Uh, <laughs> and just having people realize that and let us know about it is it's one of the coolest things so it, it's really something alice we we have gushed for the last five minutes and i believe it is time that we open up the topic for our 40th episode extravaganza right every 10 episodes we like to open up the uh discussion to our listeners to help us um construct maybe a, a bigger range of points of view and ideas on specific topics that we've come up with. In the past, we've done, um, you know, pitch your own, you know, new land or or park. We've done, um, what else have we done? Ride adaptation extravaganza, one of my favorites back in episode 20. Oh, that was absolutely wonderful and we we've had fan fried fan fiction and we've done all sorts of wonderful things with our listening audience and so today it being episode 40 we are doing um rides that maybe need a little bit of help yeah uh the the specific prompt was a refurbishment a refresh uh maybe a complete rebuild um, but, you know, anything that we can do to update rides that have kind of aged past their prime, uh, but that we still love. So we're not talking about complete replacements uh, at this point. Obviously, there are locations in several theme parks where we're like, oh, man, this old thing, like, rip it out, put something new in. <laughs> this is more like save the magic of an attraction, but kind of get rid of that stuff that's not really magical anymore. I think maybe the most infamous example might be Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, uh, yes. Which is I've... constantly being refreshed and being refurbished and new things are being added and taken out, you know? Yes, we talked about this pretty extensively in our episode about Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a really good example of a ride that recognized more recently when it was doing something a little dicey uh, and ref refreshed it, refurbished it, gave it a little paint job. It did the same thing when the Pirates of the Caribbean films came out. Little bit of a paint job, throw in a new animatronic. And so that ride is constantly able to adapt and change. Right. There are some rides um, that, uh, that don't do that. There are some attractions that have uh, maybe done that less successfully. And we are going to talk about some good examples of that. Um, first of all, by opening it up to the submissions that we got from some of our favorite listeners, including our first submission by the aforementioned gentleman and scholar Charles Gustine of the Iconography Podcast. Now, I am really excited for this because it's a, like, 
broad question. It's it's this like please fix this problem for me, Alice and Buddy, and I'm excited <laughs> to kind of jump into it. So we're going to read this is from Charles. Charles Castine writes I've been quiet of late because we just had our first baby child. Oh my congratulations, god, congratulations! So Charles, wow. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> back to it. <laughs> Um, but your call for pitches for rides that need updating has roused me from my the opposite of slumber because I never sleep anymore. Never. The pro- <laughs> I, I, I totally get it. The prompt immediately called to mind a certain kind of ride that's especially prominent at Disney, though I can think of at least one example in Universal. And I thought I'd put the problem to you to ride problem solvers, if it even is a problem. I'm not sure it is. It might be controversial to say that it is. What I'm thinking of is what I would call, quote, museum attractions. Relatively low traffic rides that you have to imagine some corporate honcho contemplates replacing with an IP at least once per week. And the only thing holding them back is the outcry that would happen because these rides are the last vestige of something. These are rides like Carousel of Progress, which has essentially become a time capsule slash monument to Walt in spite of its name. You know, I have thoughts about this one. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Rides like the Country Bear Jamboree, E.T. at Universal, and maybe the most interesting, that ride is still here, Ride of them All, Living with the Land at Epcot. It's like a portal, the last remaining portal, really, back to the original, earnest, let me learn you something, future world of innovations and horizons and world of motion. Spaceship Earth, its partner in this, is currently getting a makeover along the lines of what y'all are tackling. I don't think any of these attractions necessarily need updates because they're outdated. Okay, E.T. kind of does. The human animatronics are silly. They're all perfectly charming, transportive, and evocative of a different wavelength of theme park going. But I think they all get a reputation among the larger audience of park goers as air conditioning rides, attractions that you can probably walk right onto to get you out of the heat for a bit. And the longer these rides go without some sort of infusion of new blood, the more vulnerable they become to passing their expiry dates and being replaced entirely. I worry they need to adapt or perish, and then perishing would be devastating. But then being forced into an unfortunate adaptation, think the revamped Tiki Room with Zazu and Iago, Iago, would be equally devastating. I think of this as akin to what I see happen every hour on HGTV, which is on all the time now considering the need for low-intensity white noise for baby caring. (laughs) They take a house with good bones from, like, 1935, and they make it open concept and increase the size of the master bath and change the backsplash in the kitchen, all while preserving the best features of the original house. So considering that, what do you think you would... What do you think you would do with a Country Bears Jamboree, which is such an important conduit into the work of a Disney legend like Mark Davis, or Living with the Land, which... I mean, talk about a ride with a message we need, right? To make sure new generations see them as more than just air conditioning breaks, hopefully ensuring their survival as well as the survival of an important link back to earlier days at these parks. That enough to chew on? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) Wow, Charles. (laughs) Thank you for that absolutely wonderful prompt for discussion because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, three different things over the course of just this this problem like grappling with it like old rides classics they sink into obscurity 
they need to be saved. They can't be perfectly preserved. What do we do? And my gut reaction is the reason they're still there is because they serve an important part of the theme park ecosystem. Uh, they are the uh, they are the microbial bacteria of the forest floor <laughs> of the theme park. <laughs> they're not the giant sequoias. They're not what you're there to see, but they are the the underbrush that allows everything around them to thrive and to continue to grow and survive because they provide those crucial nutrients, <laughs> air conditioning, to the rest of the theme park. And right. yeah, I, I but that's a dangerous, tenuous position to be in, isn't it? It is, and and I felt a little, I felt a little, I don't know, almost called out during Charles's. Uh, message about referring to certain ride. I referred to a ride uh, just this morning uh, as an air-conditioned ride. I was talking about the um, the ride at the Mexico Pavilion at the World Showcase in Epcot with the Three Caballeros. I don't remember yes. what it's called off the top of my head. Grand keep- Fiesta Tour. Grand Fiesta Tour. Um, which I rode one time and had a, a blast doing it, but I completely, 100%, just just a couple hours ago, referred to it as a really nice little place to get some cool air and chill. <laughs> and I I felt a little called out in this in this message from Charles, but also at the same time, I think that it's not really an insult to be uh, the, the air-conditioned ride, the, the cool place to stand. I have discovered some really interesting things over the years in uh, finding these little museum rides that, um, or or just even uh, a shop that I didn't know existed. Or, buddy, do you remember that time we were at Universal Studios Hollywood? Yes. Many many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and we were. <laughs> yes, of course you do. Each and every visit is burned into my memory. Do like, you, <laughs> do you specifically remember that time we were wandering around the lower lot and we like turned a random corner and found that random museum to like the to like costumes yes it was a literal museum attraction so that's it's a funny it's it's a funny term because i think charles is talking about like historic attractions that are more a novelty for their age i'm gonna connect back around to that idea (laughs) also i I agree with you as as an example here this particular small museum at universal studios which to my knowledge is no longer there there. it's not there anymore it was temporarily a a i love lucy museum and now it's that's not there anymore wow Um, but it was this itty bitty little museum and they had costume pieces behind glass windows and little videos you could watch, uh, you know, where each of these costumes came from. We were really excited at the time because they had some pieces from Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which was a favorite film of ours that year. And, um, but that kind of idea, the, I don't know, let's just slip into this corner or this ride doesn't have a line. Let's just check it out kind of thing. Oh, I just need to go inside. Let's ride Carousel of Progress and get some air. I don't think maybe, well, I would have ridden Carousel of Progress anyways, last time I was at (laughs) Disney World because everybody told me I had to. Right. Um, but if I, if it had just been say like my parents who don't know anything about theme park history and they're walking around in the Florida heat and they go, Oh dang, it's hot. I don't know what to do. The line for space mountain is too long. Um, well, what's this over here in this little corner? Well, that's a ride. I don't know. Let's go check it out and sit on it. And that's the carousel progress, right? Yeah. And I think that, that having them 
as like a little hidden gem. Um, a this isn't crowded, but it's a nice, cool place to hang out is a really good way to get people into the history of theme parks. It's probably how we got started as as interested as we have been in, in yeah. theme parks, right? Like, Yeah, honestly, one of my favorite air conditioning rides and literal museums is Great <laughs> Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Oh, I love Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln is a monument to, like, I don't know, a monument to a certain era of Imagineering and it knows it. Like, the pre-show of Great Moments is not about Abraham Lincoln. It's about the actor that played Lincoln as the voice actor and the uh, mask that they use, the death mask of Lincoln that they use to make Lincoln's face and, like, all of the technology that went into the original show and the updates that have been there since then. And, like, this whole thing, it's not preserved because it has been updated and it has been edited heavily over time and it's got a new focus over what it once was there was a part of the show that used to be about surround sound like that was the hot new technology they were showcasing so there would be a a fly that would like seemingly buzz past your ear and and everybody would be like "Ooh, it went from one side of the room to the other it's really eerie actually (laughs) Uh, it's not there anymore though right because now the the focus is on this it's partially on the americana and like this idea of america uh and it's partially about lincoln and what he means but also it's about what the ride has meant uh, in the 60-ish years that it's been around. (laughs) Um, And it's amazing. And I think that knowing that it's always there, knowing it's not really drawing the crowds, but knowing that it's it's part of the density of the park. And like to to bring it back to the ecosystem, the living with the land of it all, (laughs) knowing that that stuff is still there keeps the park from feeling barren uh and keeps it from feeling kind of uh like just line after line after line and actually i think right across the way at california adventure that barrenness exists oh it absolutely does we talked about this recently in our uh, paradise slash pixar pier episode about how california adventure occasionally falls into a into a trap where there's too much empty space and just it's like a like big open fields basically between big attractions with nothing little to fill in the space yeah and the the irony is that some of these museum attractions like the et ride um were once the height of technology (laughs) and they used to be the brand new t- the brand new attraction that would draw the crowds and since they've fallen out of favor i mean the country bear jamboree is literally a technological marvel um so is the enchanted tiki room these places that have been so intricately designed these clockworks to show a certain kind of a character performing a show that would otherwise be impossible before this technology was even designed like wow they're amazing <laughs> They're not as impressive as they once were, but they're in their contexts, they provide like a very necessary look at what theme parks once were. And I think the tragedy of trying to update them too much would be removing that charm. 
and removing that that I guess yeah the museumness of it the the information as well right like this is how theme parks used to be and I know that doesn't sell tickets so like given the choice to answer Charles's question like what do you do to these attractions I I do the worst possible thing the thing that no executive would ever agree to and it's simply go over all of it with a fine-tooth comb and try to preserve the initial purpose of each like effect on the attraction i want people to be blown away the way the original designers wanted them to be Right. So but without any fundamental changes to the design. Right. So take the Country Bear Jamboree, for example, that was specifically requested by, by Charles here. Um, I mentioned uh, back when I went to Disney World of going on the Country Bear Jamboree with my mom, which yeah. uh, Country Bear Jamboree, we don't have in, in California anymore. Um, but going on with my mother and watching the look on her face when she just... She just cried when she saw it for the first time, really, since she was she was pretty young. And but she knew all the words and she knew every inch of that. Like the Country Bear Jamboree was so like so iconic and special for her. But as we sat there and watched it and she's crying and she's loving it, she's singing along and she says, this really doesn't look like how I like how I remember it. It's really not as impressive as how I remember it. No. Um, it's shaky, you know, that it's fallen out of repair. So what you could do, like you said, with the fine tooth comb, you go to each one of these bears, you make, you pretty them up a little bit. Maybe they just need a little WD-40 to make their joints work a little (laughs) better. I wish it were that simple. Oh man. But but something like that, where you just, you make these, you can keep the, the, keep the bones of the thing, but you, but you you bring back what was so pretty about them. Maybe you you smooth out the movements, you uh, increase the quality of the sound design, you um, uh, redo the set pieces a little bit to, to have less wear and tear. You just kind of, you buff the thing, right? Yeah. And, and then you re-release it and you say, this is the new and improved Country Bear Jamboree. And people and will flock to it. Now, now people like us will flock to it. And you're <laughs> not going to get boarding groups at seven in the morning every no. morning for months on end. No, but, you won't. But people might be like, oh, yeah, I heard they just redid this. And they Let's might go check it out. They might go in. And I feel like that also preserves that necessary part of the ecosystem. There's still air conditioning rides. And that's right. actually important. You need an air about, conditioning ride. <laughs> when we're talking about your day at a theme park, like time without the air conditioning rides is exhaustion. And maybe yes. it's not maybe it's not as profitable as it could be. Maybe it's time where you're not sitting in a restaurant buying a refreshment. And maybe it's not. But that's not what a theme park needs to be about. To be one of the greats, it's got to have that balance. And that's yes. what makes Disneyland special, especially... Uh, over some of its competitors is that sheer density of options and the fact that once in a while you're just going to slow down and watch Mr. Lincoln talk and that's going to be part of your day. I think my ideal scenario is really what was done with the railroad recently. That that plussing up of the 
uh, Grand Canyon and Primeval World. Ooh, it's like, beautiful. There's nothing about it that changed fundamentally, but black lights were replaced, new paint was added, a few small projections to show the flowing of the river and the lightning it, striking. Yes, like, perfect. It increased the depth of the thing. It didn't change anything about it. It just made it it gave it like a depth of, of feeling, a depth of emotion, and literally a depth of vision where some of these projections and some of the paint jobs made the thing seem bigger and and broader and more immersive. Yeah. I mean I think I think it's time for that for a lot of things at Disneyland and some of the other Disney parks. Like let's get that going on it's a small world. Like Oh let's, absolutely. Let's redo that entirely. Increase the depth, hide some of the wires. Like, <laughs> really, let's go for it. Let's do that with, um, ah, geez, now I don't have any examples. <laughs> well, I think there are some pretty good examples from some of the other submissions that we got. I'm thinking, uh, specifically AJ, who I think are we reading next? Yeah, okay. AJ yeah. has a really good example in her submission of a, a right at the right at the end you see that yeah uh, of a ride that really just needs a good uh, buff up yes so i'll go ahead and read this one yeah i'll be using my perspective as a walt disney world cast member to help me out with this answer off the top of my head i can think of a few things i'd like to see updated but they're the ones anyone would think of or have already planned uh such as the tomorrowland speedway or primeval world in animal kingdom which is now open seasonally. Most of the things I'd think about changing or updating aren't attractions or rides per se, but places to be in the parks. For example, Project Tomorrow and the Imageworks What If Labs in Epcot are both walk-through, hands-on, educational spaces after Spaceship Earth and Journey into Imagination, respectively. And I'm sure it's interesting for kids, but most of the activities inside are outdated and underwhelming. It'd be interesting to see these spaces transformed into something new that could be engaging for guests of any age, and which I think they've started to try to do with Imageworks by adding meet and greets inside the building. Uh, they feel just a little out of touch with the theme as it stands now. There are obviously also rides and shows I'd like to see refreshed and refurbed. Beauty and the Beast at Hollywood Studios needs a serious paint job. <laughs> Mission Space is a bad and scary waste of space that could be anything else. And Expedition Everest really could use a refurbishment now, you guys. <laughs> and hey, while we're at it, is it too late to ask for a nighttime parade for Magic Kingdom yet since Disneyland gets them all and our 50th is coming up soon? Happy 40th, Buddy and Alice, and stay magical. Thanks, Stay AJ. magical is such a great closing. I thought... <laughs> uh, we're not going to steal that. That's yours, AJ, but that is great. I'm going to start telling people to stay magical. I love it. Thank you, AJ. Thank you so much. So specifically, the the bit about Expedition Everest is the part I was referencing before we read AJ's submission. Um, Because Expedition Everest is a really good example of a ride that really needs a refurb. That uh, the Yeti in Expedition Everest has not moved since, like, day one, basically. (laughs) It's been Um, stuck in B mode, which is flashing lights and mannequin. Right, uh, and it's since... supposed to pound the ground and like move her arms and yeah. and all of that stuff. And and no, she doesn't. She doesn't do anything. Uh, and I didn't know she was supposed to do something when I wrote on it. Um, right. 
uh, and hearing now what I what could have been, ah, I can't believe it. Um, it sounds so cool and really could use some work, but that would require shutting down the whole ride completely and starting basically over from scratch. Yeah, I believe that the Yeti is so big and so complex that they'd have to cut off the top of Everest and, it's a and then load, airlift it out. It's a load-bearing Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yes, <laughs> that is what I've heard as well. Um, and like... I, I agree. And this is what we were just talking about with our answer to Charles is like, let's just get it back to how it should be. Like, let's get it up to speed. And the fact is that it hasn't happened because it's costly and that ride still slaps. Um, oh, yeah. The ride is still awesome <laughs> and has a super long wait time every time, uh, which is why I always recommend single rider. Yeah. Um, and... And and we'll draw crowds no matter what because it's a big giant ride and it's thrilling and it's fun and, and yeah and it's still great so you would have to shut down like a huge attraction for a while yeah uh, in order to make that um, to make the necessary repairs remember when the Matterhorn was down for like I don't know years. <laughs> Yeah, Do you remember I, that? they they did a, a full on like refurb and refresh, and actually the Matterhorn got kind of what Everest needs. They got some new effects in there. They made the Yeti move better, uh, <laughs> and the tracks got smoothed out. So the whole thing is just a better experience. Now the yeah. tracks are still bad, very bumpy, <laughs> very very bumpy. I think though, and the, the Expedition Everest. Uh, comment from AJ did remind me that the Matterhorn I think is a pretty great example of a ride that got a good refurbishment yeah Um, nothing about the Matterhorn's refurbishment takes anything away it's just more it's just more gooder (laughs) yeah it's just more the sound effects are scarier the lighting is scarier the gosh I am terrified of the abominable snowman in every iteration but the current one is really scary but in a way that calls back to how the old one made me feel as a kid. Yes. I, I'm it, it the old one made me feel very scared, but when I see him cuz he's in the uh, in the collection at Mission Breakout. Yes. You can still visit the old abominable abominable snowman. Yeah. Uh, when I look at him, I go, "Oh, when I was I shouldn't have been that scared of him. When no, because he's kid. like four and a half feet tall, and his <laughs> arms like barely swing. Like, but, but our, our imaginations did a lot of that filling in the blanks, much mm-hmm. like the case of the Country Bear Jamboree for your mom, right? Like, exactly. Our exactly. imaginations filled it in, and our we we were able to suspend that disbelief. And as we get older and more observant, those blanks are harder to fill. But I feel like technology is keeping up. And we don't need to work as hard if that plussing up happens along the way. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, maybe too, I don't know this to be, to be accurate because I don't know anything about children, but I feel like kids these days are really smart and oh, like they really, are. <laughs> really savvy. And like the old abominable snowman might not trick them as well as it tricked me, right? Yeah, no, they they would definitely look at an old abominable and be like, okay, it's four and a half feet tall and its arms barely move. I mean, my iPad is HD. (laughs) And, And I think what AJ's talking about earlier in her letter is like, these old labs and interactive exhibits, they're just gonna get outdated 
faster and faster no matter what you do with them. Now, uh-huh. a meet and greet is a band-aid. What do you do with <laughs> this space? Like, what do you do with this thing that was supposed to, like, engage and entertain and amaze with these new technologies and these interactive experiences that, honestly, nobody's going to like anymore? Right. How, oh. Who are they for? So what do you do? Whatever. How do you wrap up after an attraction, like, mm-hmm. Journey into Imagination? Right. Or whatever Project Tomorrow is trying to do at the end of um, uh, at the end of Spaceship Earth um, and that whole area right underneath the golf ball <laughs> um, is uh, there's a meet and greet there with like Baymax from Big Hero 6, which was delightful and amazing. And like, I'm so I love glad, Baymax. Best so hugs. glad that I got to meet him. Great hug. And yeah. but it's the same thing that they did in California with Interventions. And now it's the Star Wars launch bay. It's just a big giant building that is now a meet and greet for Darth Vader and Chewbacca and sometimes Boba Fett, if you're lucky. <laughs> um, what, what a terrible waste of a great space. It's a great, big, beautiful space that could be anything. But what they tried to do was make it a like technology showcase. Look at the cool tech future that it could be. And I'm pretty sure that's what the spaceship earth was trying to do as well yeah it's like look at this future and look at what we could do and and um check out um all of this cool new tech oh no it's two weeks later and that tech is now broken (laughs) because it's been handled by you know eighteen thousand people in a single day yes and also it's outdated less than a year later yeah you can buy it down at your local target now like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you can't just place a bunch of iPads out for literally everybody in the universe to touch. I mean, l- millions of people go through every year trying to touch these things. Yeah. And it's just not sustainable unless you're updating the tech every other month. So I think I think the solution to interactive experiences and what the refurbs should aim for is basically what arcades had to learn when home consoles became a thing. Which is, what can we provide that will provide the illusion of being impossible to do at home? Even if you can do it at home, right? Right. So, like, what can we aim for to provide a magical story or experience that isn't happening anywhere else? Um, I'm thinking of, like, Seven Dwarves Mind Train has some, like, really cool interactive experiences on it. It's like, here, you're in the mine. Here's some gems that'll, like, light up in sequence and stuff like that. I'm thinking about that sort of thing, which sounds, like, really basic, but creating a a place, a sense of place and a story that people can engage with that way instead of being like, now that you've learned what imagination is, try Photoshop. Like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) (laughs) But also, what about, like, now that you've learned what imagination is, welcome to the land of imagination. Here's here's a show featuring your pal Figment or something. Like, really just kind of go for it Um, and tell a story there instead of opening it up and saying, you know, this is the interactivity portion of this lesson. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I would do. I agree. (laughs) Do you want to move on to the next one? Yes, let's let's move on to the next one. Uh, our next submission comes in from our dear friend, Awesome Chaudhry, who has sent us some ideas about the Simpsons ride, which is something uh, that we did just talk about a couple episodes ago. Very near and very dear to our hearts. And, 
you know, I've been thinking about this problem too since we said to ourselves in that episode, wow, at 12 years old, this ride feels old. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here, maybe Awesome can help us. Yes. Dear Allison Buddy, Okay, so since you put it in my mind, I want to fix The Simpsons ride. I love the show too much to let it have such a subpar ride. The 3D animation is terrible. It looks worse than a Rock Auto commercial from 10 years ago. <laughs> but it's okay. I can fix it. It just needs a complete teardown and recreation. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, let's try it. <clears throat> Number one, dump the 3D animation and give us modern Simpsons 2D. It should look just like the show. Those are the visuals we know and love. Why bother with going with 3D? Big agree. <clears throat> Two, it needs a more cohesive story. First, it's a roller coaster. Then Maggie is giant. Then the aliens make a cameo for a drop ride. No, it's time to simplify. Besides, The Simpsons already gave us the ultimate something's gone wrong storyline. The everything's gone wrong storyline of the itchy and scratchy land episode. I have just watched this episode in preparation for answering or, or, or responding to this prompt, so I'm very I excited. I have not seen it. <laughs> it's a very good episode. Okay. Um, three, you'd have to modify the story a bit. Say the writers are going to Itchy and Scratchy Land with The Simpsons. The writers are new in town and were invited along by The Simpsons, so you get a ride to Itchy and Scratchy Land in the famous pink sedan. Four. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Four. Let's talk about the ride vehicle for a bit. It would need to be something that could change. I want it to start as Homer's car. Homer takes a shortcut and it turns into a bumpy ride. Five. That's actually a huge part of the episode is the shortcut to Itchy and Scratchy Land. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. I love it. Um, five. Then I want the sides of the car to drop away and have a helicopter fuselage come down around you. In the helicopter, you've got screens that stimulate the flight to Itchy and Scratchy Land. The hello pilot gives his talk about how nothing goes wrong, and then immediately there's a bunch of turbulence. Using the ride vehicle and screens, you can pitch, yaw, and roll, and even hit a drop. Yaw then, control. <laughs> then you land safely, and the pilot mentions how that was the first thing that went wrong. <laughs> Uh, six. That's really good. <laughs> six. And from there, I want the ride vehicle to get a new shell as a log ride vehicle for you and the Simpsons family to go through a version of the log ride from the episode. Not much tricky here. The simulator would do most of the work. Bonus points for a light misting for the riders. But not enough to get them properly wet. I'd hate that. I hate getting wet. <laughs> That's awesome. Very good. Yes, I, I agree. Not too wet. <clears throat> Especially on an inside... Um, simulator air conditioner. This ride. is Universal Studios we're talking about, I assume, still. So actually, you're going to get way too wet for an indoor simulator ride, and it's going to be upsetting. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Universal. that's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seven. Log ride drops away, and we get an interlude where the itchy and scratchy robots go berserk. In the episode, it was Cletus's Flash, but if you wanted to make it a sideshow Bob sa sabotage and as an homage to the old ride, I can live with that. I can live with that, too. That's good. That's pretty good. Um, now, this is where you want the thing to go wild. Lots of running, explosions, what have you. For this part of the ride, the vehicle should stay bare bones with no theming, since the riders would diegetically be on foot running with the Simpsons family. Nice. You and the Simpsons finally make it back to the helicopter, but you get kicked out by a disgruntled Itchy, who's tired of Bart kicking him every time he saw him. This gives you the opportunity for another drop. Now, here you have you've got to differ from the episode. Bart and Homer can use flash photography to hold off the horde of killer robots, buying time for the true hero of the Simpsons to fire up a chopper and fly everyone out of there. Lisa Simpson. 
Yeah. Finally, Lisa explains why she learned to fly a helicopter, but that she's never actually flown one before. The ride vehicle turns into a chopper again, and Lisa flies everyone safely to the itchy lot and lands right next to the pink sedan. A few words, and then it's ride over. Maybe it needs to be massaged a little bit, but I think there's enough to go on there for a pretty good ride. What do you think? Sorry, buddy, I couldn't figure out a way to make a ride out of one of the sad episodes. Maybe <laughs> next time your faithful listener asks them. I would really like, okay, one small adjustment. We need to land in the giant bird feeder shaped like a diner from the end of the episode with Hans Molman. Um, and Alice, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. But- Aslam does, and yes, that's <laughs> how it ends. Um, so the flash photography thing is great. Uh, so Alice, for for just the barest of summaries, they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land. It's populated, or it, it, there are robots there of Itchy and Scratchy. Oh, the, and he takes a picture of them, and the flash photography like makes them out and short makes them, circuit, and they they get glowing red eyes and start right, and then they start to do like a Terminator thing, and then and then they find out that the flash also will like deactivate them, so they. Okay. Okay. the flash on a camera to like fight off the robots later you know the they play they play that clip as one of the little clips that they play in line for the simpsons yes right that's yes, i've seen do. just that bit so it's it's really good uh i love this episode it's a parody of jurassic park and westworld and disneyland like there's a part <laughs> where they go to um it, it's basically the mickey movie barn or the like uh small theater on main street where it's like playing a history of the guy that invented itchy and scratchy and it's definitely making fun of walt disney and definitely <laughs> like kind of calling out that walt disney had some questionable views and like yo it's pretty good um i'll have to go watch the episode it's a great episode uh, i really like Aslam's idea of the ride vehicle changing and it sounds like it could be really complicated but i feel like it could actually work with enough screens and enough yaw, uh, <laughs> which yaw control is another Simpsons reference, which I love. Um, okay, I was wondering why you fixated on yaw that word control. specifically. <laughs> um, with enough screens and enough yaw, you can definitely <laughs> uh, simulate the changing of the ride. I mean, like even in the Simpsons ride, right? We're in we're on a roller coaster then we're in water you know and then we're like flying through the air like you can simulate that uh, but what this has sparked in my mind is what if what if actually changing ride vehicle like what if ride systems weren't 100% the same all the way through what you get out halfway through and get on a new vehicle maybe or your vehicle can get picked up by another system why not start on a log that then ends up in a kind of like a like a cradle almost uh-huh. that then gets picked up and does like a like a swinging dark ride like what the, if what if log has wheels what if log has wheels <laughs> what if amphib- amphibious vehicles what if just i mean like imagineers it's- if you're listening here's here's a freebie what if the ride vehicle's entire nature changes halfway through the ride? This this is uncharted, untapped potential. And mm-hmm. I'm here for it. We've had rides change speeds halfway through the ride. I'm thinking about like Radiator Spring, Springs Racer going from, from uh, slow dark to ride very fast. too fast. Uh-huh. And that's fun. 
That is now, fun. Now let's go from log ride to roller coaster. There are already combinations that are like that, kind of. Let's go further. Now it's a simulator, you know? Like, let's start combining these ride systems. And actually, that reminds me a little bit of what we read in our next letter to the show. Oh, that's right. Our next letter from the show comes to us from our very good friend, Nick Hoffman, who uh, doesn't message me- mention in his message, but also just had a kid. Really? I know. What? Congratulations, Congratulations to everybody who listens to the show. having children. <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, many congratulations to you as well, Nick Hoffman. Um, it, it has been a joy having you along for the ride of the podcast, and I can't wait to share your letter. So I think it's my turn to read. I believe so. Okay. <clears throat> so this one says, from Hoffman, Hi, Buddy and Alice. Thanks for thinking of me. Congrats on your anniversary. I've gained so much from your podcast. Thank you very much for saying Aww. so. The positive energy, insights, and thought-provoking conversations are always a joy. Oh my there god. <laughs> are so many rides that could use updates and i think the one that would be the best to discuss is the jungle cruise mm. it's a classic for sure the corny jokes are amazing and the jungle environment should stick around but they could do so much more with it imagine if some of the tech from shanghai's pirates of the caribbean <gasps> was used Go through a new scene that's in a dark room like the Jurassic World ride, but Mm -hmm. your boat can move in many directions. Maybe it's bringing this old idea where it's connected to the Indiana Jones (gasps) ride somehow, too. The other ride I really think needs an update is Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. Mm -hmm. Man, I do not enjoy that thing. I'm not (laughs) sure what would make it better at this point. I just mostly want it torn out. I, I know that's not the prompt, so... IDK. Improve the shooting mechanic by having more interactive elements. Think the shooting gallery in Frontierland, but with more modern animatronic tech. What if a certain target caused a claw arm to drop down and grab a little green alien and pull it in the air? That sort of thing. Uh, So, Hoff, thank you for this. uh, Because Shanghai's Pirates of the Caribbean is exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to, like, combination ride systems this is a boat that also has articulated movement right so let's take that and use it in larger and different contexts like let's go fully extreme with it to kind of go back to the itch and scratchy land like let's do helicopter drop boat ride drop roller coaster drop you know what i mean and just like keep switching it up And that'll give us so many opportunities for new ways to tell stories and keep it fast and kinetic and move through things. Um, But also, we got to talk about the Jungle Cruise. We have got to talk about the Jungle Cruise. Um, It is a... uh, Well, we've talked about the Jungle Cruise. We have a whole (laughs) episode dedicated to it. But let's talk about um, why the Jungle Cruise needs to be updated. Um, first of all, uh, it's old. Uh, folks might remember, if you're listening to this in March of 2020, folks might remember a couple weeks ago when one of the boats actually sank. Literally sank. It I literally didn't think sank. they were sinkable. I but... did not think that they were, <laughs> that the water was deep enough for a boat to sink, but apparently it is, and now I'm scared. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> I thought that the water was really shallow. 
Yeah. Like just as shallow as the boat is. Yeah, like, I always figured you could probably stand up in the in the water. I guess I guess it wasn't necessarily a problem of um like people being able to stand up and like needing to swim so much as a lot of folks got really wet and also if you're maybe in a wheelchair or something like that that right? is a legitimate danger it's wow that is scary so old boats need update yes. um uh old animatronics again just a little bit of a of a refurb yeah you know, give make them some them, tlc give them some love make that elephant under his beautiful beautiful uh waterfall uh just spruce him up a little bit mm-hmm. he's looking a, he's looking a little worn down he gets a lot of water damage Something that um, I love about the Jungle Cruise is the expressiveness of a lot of the animatronics. And those yes. designs aren't really the way I think you might do it these days. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're they a little cartoony, like just a little exaggerated. And yes. that's the charm I want to preserve. The, the things I want to get rid of, honestly, are just the racism. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, yes, I was going to let you come around to that to that part of yeah, it. Yeah, cuz I was talking to Kate Prince about this episode and our concept for it and she was like, "Oh man, if if I could refurbish anything, it would also be the Jungle Cruise." Mm-hmm. And my entire philosophy would be make it more less racist. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I mean, you could really just do a full just completely change the ride and refurbish it and bring people in look at how cool the new jungle cruise is it's just not racist anymore no longer (laughs) including racism here on the jungle cruise now it's it's it's, just you know respectful of cultures and it maybe it's just about the animals now maybe we just don't need people in the jungle cruise maybe it's just animals how about that something something kate said that um that i really liked was the Jungle Cruise is a river cruise along many rivers of the world. All in the rivers of the eight world. Eight and a half minutes, right? Yes. So you end up with what what we were calling like racially ambiguous natives. Yes. Which is super uncomfortable. Uh-huh. The focus is very colonial and like, oh, look at the charming natives doing the hokey pokey. Like, why is that still there? Nope, Why totally inappropriate. There? Get rid of it. It's got Get rid go. of it. Get rid of it like Pirates of the Caribbean got rid of the uh, person auction. Get rid yes. of it. It's we not no appropriate longer, anymore. We no longer need to auction off wives. We no longer need this vague racism. Like, it's gone. Get and rid of it. So that's my big refurb for for the Jungle Cruise. But also, that's the easy refurb. Yeah, because that's, that's knock that out in a weekend, honestly. <laughs> So that's the easy refurb, and then Nick is suggesting the uh, complicated refurb. The uh, bring-in tech from Shanghai's Pirates of the Caribbean, the dark room, like the new Jurassic World ride, which I haven't been on yet, but I want to go on so bad. Yes. Um, but the yeah, the, the part that he's talking about is in, in the Jurassic World ride, they bring you into a tunnel, and the tunnel walls are made of screens with... Um, with our LED screens, right? That yeah. make you look like you are in a tunnel that's surrounded by water and they project dinosaurs or they have dinosaurs on the screens rather than uh, an- just animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah, And, and that's and maybe, something the Jungle Cruise could totally do. Yeah, maybe we'll be seeing this someday with the advent of the Jungle Cruise movie, which I believe is releasing, wow, this summer. Oh, yeah, soon. Um, but, like, you know, maybe there will be some lore and we can have a couple of story moments that include that. 
and dark ride sections might be ideal for that. So, you know, you know, the the time is now, Jungle May- Cruise. Maybe instead of all of those, uh, all of the natives um, and those terrible animatronics, we maybe we get uh, animatronic Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt, or maybe I don't know. You invent a new character, Doctor Albert Falls, that the, the <laughs> Schweitzer Falls is named after, yeah. right? Like, yeah, just give me give me something, you know, add a, add a little story, nothing that takes away from the Skippers and their culture. Which, oh, because they're amazing. Right, and their their whole thing of Jungle Cruise skippers and the camaraderie and the charm of them being the charm of the ride is something I would not trade for a mountain of lore. But I would definitely trade it for, for more or less racism. So, definitely, 100%. <laughs> uh, um, that's where I am with it. Yeah, now, as for uh, Buzz Lightyear Astro as Blasters. As for Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, I completely agree with all points, except that I do enjoy the thing. I do still enjoy it, and there are some of the things you can shoot that have kind of uh, they have shooting like, gallery v- effects. Very delayed reactions, and yes. you never know if it's you that did it or the person behind you or whatever. The problem with the ride system is that there are 30 people in any given room, and anybody because, could have hit that target. Because I'll praise the Omnimover. I'll but, praise the Omnimover. Yeah, um, that that does make it difficult for you to like get any kind of satisfaction about the, the shooting gallery-ness of it. Yeah. Where you're like, I don't know if I hit that one while it was lit up. I don't know, unless you could somehow watch your score and the target at the same time um because the targets will light up and then they're worth more when they're lit up you know right there's there's a level there where if you're playing on the i completely understand this attraction and i know how to game it like where maybe it's already shooting gallery levels of of interesting to you but there's also the wow, this is loud and fast and what's happening level (laughs) that I think almost everybody stays at, including me, having been on it 25, 30 times, right? Like, I still don't know what the heck is going on in some of that ride. No, not at all. It's quite a lot. And I I agree that it does need to be, uh, that it does need to be touched up. Uh, not torn out. That's not the prompt. <laughs> no, not the prompt. Um, but and, and it's fun, and people people like it. And um, I have fond memories of that one time when we got uh, when it stopped for like ten yeah. minutes, yeah. and we were right in front of like a really high value target that we just shot over and over again. And our scores were amazing. I really like beating you at it because I can't beat you at anything. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, okay, if. If this wasn't the prompt, I would tear it out. Yes. Because it's not Tomorrowland. You know what I mean? It's not Tomorrowland. It belongs over with Mid- Midway Mania. And on you Pixar can't PR. put them on top of each other, so They're the same Midway ride. Mania stays. Midway Mania stays. It's better. You also do get the like solo, like you can see how well you're doing. Yeah. Um, and as it's you very play. interactive, and every target you hit does something. And it's fun. Yeah. Um, so yes, if this wasn't the prompt, tear it out uh, as it is. Leave it, but yeah, gussy it up for sure. Yeah, and I think I think inter- interactivity is the name of the game. Definitely. Uh, do you want to take the next one? Uh, sure, I'll take the next one. I have a very, very, very short message from friend of the pod and one of my bestest friends in the whole wide universe, uh, Liz Lee, who sends us just this uh, just this message: <clears throat> Splash Mountain. Need some TLC. Yes. Yep. 
that it do. You're right, Lizzie. <laughs> if I were refurbing Splash Mountain, it wouldn't be Splash Mountain anymore. Which I know is sacrilegious, and I hate myself for saying it because, like, it's a very fun ride. But that ride's subject material is no, not good. No good. No good. Not good. So let's just retheme it. We're uh, just gonna purge the racism from the park altogether. Jungle uh, yep. Cruise first, followed Make it by less Splash racist. Mountain. That's the goal. So That's we're gonna goal. take the, we're gonna take the racism right out of Splash Mountain, and that means we're gonna take the whole dang story out of it, uh, and we're gonna mm-hmm. put something else in. What I've always thought that it needed to be an extension of New Orleans Square, and it needs to be the story of Princess and the Frog. Oh, that would be just lovely. Going down the bayou. You yeah. don't even need to change nothing about it. Yeah. They're going down the bayou instead of into the into the, into the briar patch. Yep. And, and the big drop is Dr. Facilier being like, I've got friends on the other side, and you can be like, I'm escaping from you. And bada bing boom, the ride system stays the same, and you're good to go. Uh, yep. it would perfect. be perfect. It's uh, absolutely perfect. It, it it matches the New Orleans Square theme. It keeps the like rusticness as a connection to like it connects to Critter Country. All you at could the same even time. start it with "You're a Frog." You know what I mean? So we can we can keep a lot of the frog imagery that's already uh-huh. in the ride. Yeah, it could be the yeah the the um, adventure to becoming uh, a human again. Yep. Um, and then at the end, Tiana and Naveen are on the giant... On the, on the Mark Twain riverboat. Yeah, on the riverboat. Bada bing, oh, boom. Boom, done. done. It's done. perfect. That's it, the TLC that Splash Mountain needs. Literally knocked that out in a weekend, too. And <laughs> the, the Okay, so if you got to keep Splash Mountain as is, let's say it comes down from corporate and you got to keep it as is. Got to keep that Song of the South in there for gotta some reason. Got to keep it. I don't know why, but <laughs> we're keeping it. I guess what it really needs is clarity of story. Like, yes. I, I would try to make sure that lines of dialogue and certain animations were timed to each log so I knew what was happening the whole way through. Exactly. That's a huge problem with Splash Mountain is that sometimes you could just sail on past the rabbit and all he's doing is singing and you miss the part where he was told not to run away from home. And yeah. you miss, you, you don't you don't get the whole story. Yeah. So I'd try and retime it. Uh, I'd remaster the soundtrack and I definitely some of the, the animatronics just need like a new coat of fur, literally. Uh, <laughs> right. And that that should be that should make it fine for years to come, really. Uh, yes. That that the the sound design is absolutely the thing that needs the most work on Splash Mountain. Um and that should theoretically be easy to do. I think yes. if you have certain voice cues uh, on a sensor rather than just on a loop. Um not all of them. You keep the music playing on a loop, but like um if you say, though, the rabbit can't talk until a boat passes it, then, you know, you put a little sensor and the boat passes it and then the rabbit talks. Yeah. Easy Done. squeezy. Done. Knock that out in a weekend. <laughs> I feel like I could fix Disneyland in a weekend. <laughs> With a lot of money and a lot of people to help. Maybe. Uh, nope. All on my own. Close the park down. Give me a hammer. It's done. <laughs> I feel like I could do it with one hammer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, we have one final message. Yes. One final message, and then we get to say our say our ideas. We do get a turn in this. Yes. 
Um, we have one one more message. Uh, do you want to read the last message? Okay, this one comes from Jim Capron, uh, the best Jin Urso cosplayer in, in the, game. the game. Absolutely. Uh, and a new patron of the podcast. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Jim says, I don't mean to be harsh, but I think the Three Caballeros ride at Epcot desperately <laughs> needs to be redone. Hey, I'm getting a little deja vu. <laughs> the changes they made to it by mashing up the old footage with new animations is really bizarre. I used to really like the original, but for some reason the updated version just seems really disconnected to me. I think it has a lot of potential, but it needs a facelift. I think this one's yeah. pretty pretty straight up. Like, yeah. if you're going to have a Three Caballeros attraction, please go all out with it. I love those three guys when they're together. I love the magic they make. and They're great. And if you're going to do a Grand Fiesta tour of Mexico, it had better be a grand old time. Mexico is a beautiful country with an incredibly rich and diverse culture. And if you're going to represent it in five and a half minutes on a boat ride with three cartoon birds, it had better rock. Uh, right. And I'm sad that it doesn't rock right now. It, um, I thought it was very cute. Um, I agree with Jim that the um, that the animation is a little strange, because it, as of right now, what it seems to be, and I don't, I don't know what it used to be. I don't know what it's supposed to be, and I only wrote it once, so I'm not the expert on this ride. But from what I remember, it was like a get on your little boat and you drift through. Um, through a, a fairly plain, um, like, series of hallways, basically, with a, a handful of screens here and there, and the screens would is like Donald Duck's journey through all the states of Mexico. Yeah. And it was like a check out the state, look at the city, uh, and they would show, like, older footage of, like, footage that looks like it was filmed in the, like, early 90s of of various parts of Mexico showcasing really beautiful uh, and diverse cultures, like you said, yes. uh, but very, very simply and very quickly with very, um, with not a lot of like, I mean, look, it's a boat time. Uh, it's a boat ride. I get it that you don't have time. <laughs> and, but it was a lot of also like, a, a, it's this real life footage of real life Mexico with animated Donald Duck kind of like superimposed on top flying around being like oh here i am in this part of mexico hooray and okay. then like moving on but alice how long has it been since you saw three caballeros um uh, i don't know 20 years okay well that is exactly the film <laughs> <laughs> um uh, sure and maybe it can still <laughs> still stay that maybe that that uh maybe the ride stays exactly that because it's part of the world showcase and the world showcase is supposed to be Look at these countries distilled into this little space, um, and uh, and you can get a little food and a little drink and a little shopping and a tiny little ride uh, up and learn just as much as you can about this culture in in you know the couple of minutes that you're there before you move on to the next one. Yeah, and so the ride I think is doing that, and it's a nice little quiet place to be, uh, very cool. Um, you know, the AC is, is nice and powerful down there. Um, they did not let us take our margaritas onto the boat. And I was Dang. really sad about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and at the end they had the animatronic three caballeros and it was really cute. Um, it, 
yeah, it it needs it does need to be redone. Those that footage needs to be reshot. This I feel like I remember the screens being just kind of on their own in the middle of a wall kind of thing. I think yeah. it needs more practical set around it. Um, maybe some more animatronics scattered throughout. I think the only time you see the other caballeros not Donald are, is at the very very end. I don't remember them really? being any other part of the ride. It's just Donald. Um, again, I could be remembering incorrectly, but that's uh, what I remember. And it was only my first drink of the day, so I feel like my memory <laughs> should be pretty good. <laughs> okay, so I got a side side note for a second. Uh-huh. This is not stepping into my office. We're not doing that today. Sure, no, 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 no. This is a this is the, a special episode. Yeah, the, the Legend of the Three Caballeros on Disney Plus is amazing. It oh, is, is it? It is a great animated series where Donald, Panchito, and Jose all go on wacky adventures for and and everything is connected and very sequential and like it's good. It's quite uh-huh. good. Um and if I had free reign of this ride, I would just do that. Legend of the Three <laughs> Caballeros and also featuring their trip through Mexico. Like bada bing boom, we're done. Um <laughs> And the animation is really clean and solid and could look really good on a theme park ride screen. So that's I where that. I am with it. I love it. Yeah. Give it a facelift and 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 keep it. Yes. Keep. Yeah. I love it. Alice. Yes, buddy. It's your turn. It's my turn. It is your turn. You've been waiting very patiently. I think you deserve a turn. I've been very patient because <laughs> I have been doing I spent so much time getting research and being ready for my uh for my example. I of a did ride. not do that for my <laughs> That's okay. I just okay. I need to talk about the Universal Studios Studio Tour. Okay. I have to talk about it. I care so much about this ride. It has meant meant so much to me for so many years and it needs to be redone so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Is, I it, agree. It, uh, it's, it needs more than just a facelift. It needs to, to completely reconstruct why they wanted to do a studio tour in the first place. Um, they started doing studio tours before uh, the theme park was a thing. It was uh, in, in the similar vein to Knott's Berry Farm, where it starts off as a farm. It starts off as like a restaurant, and then it becomes a theme park from there. Uh, the Universal Studios in Hollywood, as you probably know if you're listening to this, what is still and was and is still a working movie studio. That's true. They film a lot of movies and TV shows and talk shows and live events and all sorts of things at Universal Studios in Hollywood. And they started the tram tour started in 1961 when it was still just a movie studio before it was even a theme park. Um, Now the theme park opened uh, three years later in 1964 and there wasn't a lot to it. Uh, it was mostly like a place to start before you get on the tour. <laughs> um, like, hey, pay entrance here, wait here, eat here, and then get on the tour kind yes. of thing, rather than just showing up at the gates of the studio and and blocking the way. But from there, it expanded and became 
uh, the Universal Studios we know and love today. And so much has changed over the years. They expanded into the upper and the lower lot. They um, added, you know, real rides and stuff. And now it seems like Universal Studios, the theme park, cares more about the rest of the theme park and has kind of been... Even though the studio tour is like their flagship attraction, it feels like they stopped caring about it in like 2011. <laughs> and it's been nine, almost 10 years since the last time that that ride had like a major upgrade. And it kind of feels like they're focusing on literally everything else but the studio tour, which man, as a as a kid and as a teen and now as an adult still, I find the studio system of old Hollywood to be absolutely fascinating. I find the history of Hollywood to be uh, to be so interesting and wonderful and and dynamic and sexy and tragic. and there's so much that so much that happens here on a lot like like, the universal lot and none of it is explored in the studio tour anymore none of it it's the same old stuff not even from 2011 but from from the year 2000 to 2011 essentially right so certain things that are certain things that are extremely cool that hang around that are like history of Hollywood the flash flood scene yes. in uh, in what I believe they called call old old Mexico um, where you park and it's like oh it's raining look at look at this rain oh no a flash flood and like a huge wave of water runs through the the city still you can, very it's impressive very famous in the scene in the movie Big Fat Liars starring Frankie <laughs> Muniz and Amanda Pines yes. and Paul Giamatti yes it's a wonderful film and a great example of how iconic that that like scene is but what they do is they park you there and they show you the flash flood effect and they say this is how we pretend um that you know we can make a fake flood or fake rain and this is how the tech works but then they don't give you examples of where it was used except in big fat liar you don't show me where it was used in old hollywood movies you don't they they don't give the they used to say that the anecdote was um, they had to tint the water with milk so that it would show up on black and white film. Wow. Um, right? Like, you couldn't see rain um, in, in on black and white. And even, like, older color films, um, it just wouldn't show up. So you, you make it, like, half milk, and then it shows up on screen. Huh. You don't know that. They don't tell you that. But they used to. <laughs> they used to. Before, I'm going to say it. Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jimmy Fallon ruined the studio tour. There, I said it. There, I said it. Um, um, Jimmy, th- if you're listening, I don't. She doesn't speak for us. Uh. But it's true. Listen, Jimmy Fallon, you're a perfectly, perfectly fine human being, I'm sure. But the Jimmy Fallon, the video screens on the tram that show Jimmy Fallon acting out little skits or whatever to introduce the new thing that you're about to drive through and see. It's, it's silly. It's goofy. It's, it's fine, but it's not, it used to be, it used to be great. It used to be really great. Yeah. And I'm, and like Whoopi Goldberg used to be the host before Jimmy Fallon. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when, when those video screens were pretty much all they did was show, hey, you see what you're looking at now? 
here's what it used to look like on screen. And then it would show you look at the screen and it would show you what movie and a little caption at the bottom and it would show you what movie you're looking at and it would show you like what it how it looks from reality to the screen and it's the idea of the movie magic this like immersive feeling of actually stepping foot onto the lot and going oh this is where they film a movie and this is how it's made it's literal magic it's not it's not disney magic this is like actual hard work magicians that are like like affecting what you see in your perceptions yeah and and that's gone all of it's gone it's now a let's drive the tram into this tunnel which is actually a giant 360 degree 3d screen put on your glasses kids we're going to sit here while a movie about king kong plays all around you king kong is a classic universal property but the 2005 Peter Jackson film did not stay in the zeitgeist like they expected it to. Wow. 2005. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. I know. And they're oh, still no. stuck on it. They're stuck on this idea. And Peter ja- That's not even Peter Jackson's best movie about a monkey. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? They're still stuck on this King Kong and the Skull Island aesthetic. And it's the only reason why we got the collapsing bridge back. The collapsing bridge was broken and was out of commission for years until they were like, oh, we need a new way to like um, introduce people into the King Kong um, like section of this ride. Oh, the collapsing bridge is kind of Skull Island aesthetic. Let's refurbish it. Oh, like, wow. why didn't they just bring back the collapsing bridge? I don't understand. <laughs> right. So, so what you're saying is the studio tour used to be a way to get on the back lot and witness history and see how some of your favorite movies, or even movies you had never heard of, but see how movies get made. Yes. And how we can see them from a new perspective and know more about how the movies we see every day and love are made in cool, interesting, fun ways. And how Universal Studios' backlot is the site of so many of those things. Yes. And now... And now it's screens. And now it's screens. It's two screens. You got the King Kong 360 3D, and you've got Fast and Furious Supercharged 360 3D, and they're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense to me, because you've got things on that same tour, like the Jaws experience, which has been there since 76. Wow. Like that, that little shark has been floating around that uh, whatever beach since 1976 and has been and jumps out of the water and attacks the tram like that is so cool that's incredibly cool and then they they tell fun anecdotes about how the shark animatronic didn't work while they were filming and like that's 
so fun. So you get that, you see that, and you and you you live it, and it's visceral and it's real, and you can see how um, how a film camera might play with um, perspective, because it's like clearly okay over there. There's a fin, and it goes away, and over here then pops up the shark, and you know it's not the same animatronic, but you can see how while you're sitting there, how a camera might pull your focus from over there to over here. Yeah, and and it, so it teaches you a little bit about how movies are made. Another, like, really good example of that is the earthquake. Yeah. Which was put in in... Do you know what year that was put in? No, I don't. It was put in in 88. Wow. That thing has been making earthquakes, has been making 8.3 earthquakes since 1988. Wow. And it's remarkable. Pyrotechnics and the, the subway car that comes in and breaks in half. It's huge scale. Shows you what like uh, all of the moving bits and pieces of of what a like a like a practical effects movie set might look like yeah and uh, other little parts of that studio of the studio tour that that matter the picture cars they matter the picture cars are so cool it's a this is a actual living piece of movie history sitting right next to you we're going to drive by it and you can see these cars they are history the um the ghostbusters car is there the uh blues brothers cars is, is there i'll never forget the mule from serenity the mule is there. from serenity is there and people don't other than us don't talk about <laughs> serenity since it came out in what was that 2003 2004 don't give me a year <laughs> to feel old about <laughs> but i'm saying that 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 like a piece of history that you drive through, the the like backlot part of it, where you go through Wisteria Lane, where they filmed Desperate Housewives, and also the Munsters, and also uh, countless other things on that street. Uh, the Bates Motel is set up, as well as uh, the house that uh, Mama lives in, or Mother, not Mama, Mother lives in, in, yeah. um, in, in Psycho. Those are actual set pieces that were really, really, really used in a film. Heck, I talked crap about the war of the world set all the time because nobody cares about that movie war of the world nobody cares nobody cares it came out almost 20 years ago now has to be and no one cares about that movie uh it did not as the as same thing as king kong did not enter the cultural zeitgeist but what's cool about the set is that it's a a full-blown 747 jet has been broken up into little pieces and scattered and it's eerie and it's creepy and it's weird and that uh, that immersion is is cool, and it shows yeah. you like, hey, we film real actual things here that you can actually see the scale that it's in. It's not CG. Like this is this is reality. Yeah. Um. But they we drive through it, and they go, wow, wasn't that neat? And then leave. They don't tell you anything about it. They don't tell you facts or figures. They don't. Um. They don't show you. More, I want more clips on the screens. Um, on you know, if you've got to look at the screens while you're driving through the boring parts or you know, driving between um buildings and and there's nothing to look at, I want them to fill that screen with more. Here's what we filmed here, you know, and I, I pulled all sorts of fun things out. Um, but so like 
uh, Walt Disney Studios used the Universal backlot to film um, significant chunks of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. When when they're on um, when they're in Port Royal or in Tortuga and like all of these places. Um, but of course, copyright stands in the way. Copyright says you can't show this. And you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are so much more <laughs> so much more in our cultural like consciousness than a lot of the uh, the lot of the things that that they're allowed to talk about on the studio tour. And I think yeah. that's a problem because the studio tour is limited to only not just we can only talk about universal properties, but there are like universal properties that they can't even talk about for some reason right and and or show clips from because their own those clips are owned by um the other production company that worked on it or the director or something like that like and i think that's a huge detriment i think copyright i normally like to talk about how cool copyright is but right now it is standing in the way of making this ride super awesome i agree I think it's a copyright problem. We've talked about time and how theme parks experience time differently. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge problem for the studio tour because people are always forgetting things mm-hmm. and things are always fading out of consciousness and, and things are always being replaced. And honestly, given the chance to do just to just to refurb it myself... I would focus on the, you know, 100 greatest films Universal ever did that we can talk about and (laughs) do just those as the focus of the studio tour and be like, look at this rich, deep history. It would look so rich and deep, even with those. Yes. Do you know how often you drive through the studio tour or back when you used when when the um the courthouse square was before that all burned down when you'd be driving through the courthouse square and they'd be like oh well here's where they filmed back to the future but it's also where they filmed the show crossing jordan <laughs> now on nbc you know Buy like, it now on dvd <laughs> right like where they would be so focused on pushing like a new property that they would ignore a classic one and that bothers me so much that they're yeah. like like even on the wikipedia page when i was reading i read a lot for this for this rant um on the wikipedia page where it says um that uh until june 1st 2008 the tour also passed through a group of facades resembling city streets of new york used in the filming of bruce almighty and some elements in transformers (laughs) and also um bring it on in it to win it oh no (laughs) No one cares. Talk about Bruce Almighty some more. That movie, for some reason, really stuck in people's heads. Transformers, a massive franchise that a lot of people cared about. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, but the use in the filming of Bruce Almighty and some elements of Transformers is like a parenthetical in that sentence. Like, yikes. Like, means almost nothing. I've for some got... reason, they care so much about IPs that don't matter. If I had, if I had one message for Universal Creative, it would be that legacy will always be more profitable than cross promotion mm-hmm. which just costs money and becomes irrelevant 99% of the time like if you want people to care about universal universal studios as a brand the films that universal owns and can reprint and reshow or sell it's got to be the history Whatever's coming out next 
can't be what we're focused on in a theme park. It just can't be. And I agree that missteps have been made and that the over-reliance on experience versus explaining the art and then explaining how it connects to the history is what ruins the studio tour. And I haven't been on it in a long time. It's... I mean, it's still really fun. <laughs> the parts that the parts that matter to me are like when they go through like little Europe, and they're like over there in that little corner is where they filmed this one scene from the you know 1920s silent film version of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, they called it the Court of Miracles. Um, it was named after a different film that was filmed there, the Miracle something. Um, and so they call that space the Court of Miracles, which I'm pretty sure Disney then stole for um, for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh yeah, they movie. definitely stole the imagery of that moment. Right, and it's wonderful. It's absolutely fascinating. Or when they drive past the little dressing rooms, and the one that has the picture of Alfred Hitchcock's face on it, yeah. because that was his dressing room. That was like his room. Yeah. Do more of that. Yeah. That's what Universal does well is that they've got the longest, most extensive history of, tr- of like, proper filmmaking, of, like, real, like, practical effects and, and iconic masks and all of these things that they just, that they, I feel like they, they really want to talk about these movies more, yeah. but they don't give us a reason why we should care about those movies more. Yeah. And um, showcasing them uh, stronger in the studio tour is a really good place to start. I agree. You know, and it, that's, it is that's my rant. A <laughs> hundred ish years of history that they've just got a harness, and I am there for it. Yes, good but they have rant. to pick the right ones. That's the, <laughs> they pick the wrong ones all the time. They got lucky with Waterworld. They really <laughs> did. They lucked out, and they, nobody can explain how. <laughs> they got really lucky with Waterworld, and they keep trying. Stop it. Stop trying. <laughs> Stop trying to make Waterworld happen. Stop trying to make Waterworld happen. Focus on the IPs that have truly, actually stood the text of, test of time. And if you have to strike a deal with the devil to get everything Steven Spielberg ever made back on your, like, <laughs> like that you could talk about again, yeah. then you're just going to have to do that. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> any amount of money I would pay just to have that history back and presented on the tour. Like, mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Yep. And I would probably run Universal into the ground doing it. But you yep. know what? <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> That's just how it's going to have to be. Okay. It's your turn. It is. I'm sorry for taking so long. No, that was I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that rant for anything. That rant is glorious. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I consider it a highlight of our 2 years in podcasting. Oh. Uh, but it is my turn. Yes. So I must uh take up arms against a sea of misfortune. You have not told me what you're talking about yet. And I'm I know, really nervous. And, and so let me tell you a little bit about my process. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to be in Disneyland because I knew you were taking Universal. And I've gone through just, just so many ideas that I had along the way. I mean, idea number one was, let me do Star Tours now. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, but no, Star Tours just got a refurb, and on its, honestly, the refurb is a permanent refurb. It's going to always be refurbable because of its refurb. So Star Tours is out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not doing Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is perfect as is. The refurbs would be like fix the effects that have broken, right? Yes, and there's a lot of them. Yes. I, I will tweet a link, but I read a breakdown of all of the broken effects in Indiana Jones recently, and it is excellent. It really is just amazing what that ride used to be capable of and what it could be capable of now if we just gave it some TLC. It needs a good mechanic is all. Yep. Uh, I thought about you know some of toontown maybe i'd just repaint toontown and try and fix that but no not really so i kept gravitating back to tomorrowland tomorrowland mm-hmm. needs work and yes. i thought about cheating and saying i'd bring back the rocket rods <laughs> <laughs> or the people mover like i would sure. refurb those tracks Mm-hmm. Um, those that seems kind of out of the question, so I didn't love it as an idea. I also thought about cheating and being like, "Get rid of that submarine voyage, Nemo's out of here. Bring me, <laughs> bring me twenty thousand leagues." But uh, that's kind of not fair either. Space Mountain. <gasps> what? I want Space Mountain fixed, please. What? Yep. What is wrong with Space Mountain? Everything. Oh my gosh! Explain yourself. (laughs) I, I've done a lot of soul searching. Space Mountain is the most whiz bang fun you can have at Disneyland right now. Mm -hmm. It is a 1970s space aesthetic given life. It's great. Mm -hmm. It hasn't made a lick of sense or looked good in more than 20 years. Uh, it hasn't made a lick of sense or looked good in longer than that, I think. It's old. Oh. It's tired. Yeah. It it needs more than a refurb. It needs a retrack. And more than a retrack, it needs a complete recontextualization. I think Space Mountain could be one of the greats, but it's constantly breaking down. So it needs an it needs a good mechanic, but also <laughs> its capacity is way lower than what it needs to be. It needs something. I want Space Mountain to have a story about being on a space station and going out in a little pod around the space station as like a joyride, like a thrill that like residents of this space station get to do or I want it to be under attack and you're going out to like defend it in a little fighter or something like give me something to latch onto because right now it's like fun and, and glorious. The glory of space as you rise out of that tunnel uh, on the lift hill and you see the, the, you know, sparkly, starry sky in front of you and you kind of turn and it's all just very fun. It's what what is all of that though like where are we who are we (laughs) what are we doing and why and so i just want space mountain to have a story i remember at one point when we were young when it was still sponsored by fedex (laughs) uh, (laughs) that there was like a, a a bunch of screens in the line that were like Oh, I'm the evil emperor, and I'm going to stop the, the FedEx packages from getting to their destinations. Wow, and dang. <laughs> I just flashed back really hard. Wow. And it was kind of like MTV in space the other half of the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and, like, that's 
interesting. I don't know if that's fertile ground for um, like retheming the ride. <laughs> um, but but Space Mountain hasn't like it's not anything. It's a pretty decent mouse trap coaster in a dark room. And, and it definitely relies on the darkness of the room. Yeah. You need you it needs to be dark, dark, dark in there or you see how ramshackle the tracks kind of are. <laughs> yeah. And so I'd shut it down. I'd rip everything that exists about it out except for the queue maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'd put in new new context in the queue. And then I'd give the cars everything they need to be safe, higher capacity, and faster. <laughs> because honestly, it doesn't go very fast. It I'd, doesn't go very fast, and you're right about the low capacity. Yeah. It's super low capacity. I'd spread everything out a little bit more, and I'd try to maximize that space and make it like a decent coaster in that limited space. It might not be possible. Uh, it, we might be at maximum for Space Mountain. It's a shame because a dark coaster is a great idea. And it's never not been a great idea. And the appeal is immediate and lasting. And I love Space Mountain as it is. In its Disneyland form, to be fair, I haven't been on any of the others. I hear the one in Paris kicks butt. (laughs) Um, But it, I just, I want a whole new world of Space Mountain. Okay. And that's where I am with it. I I don't disagree at all. I I, I definitely agree it needs a, a good mechanic um, and could would benefit, I think, from a story. Um, I like that the coaster is it's like baby's first roller coaster. Yeah. I like that it doesn't go too fast. Like it's fun and because it's dark, it feels like it's going faster. Uh, it was it was this baby's first coaster. That was my first roller coaster. It might have been not my first coaster because there were like kid coasters like Gadget's Go Coaster or like Jaguar at uh, Knott's Berry Farm. But it was like sure. it was like the first coaster I remember being scared on. Like Yes. I guess that's what I mean. Yeah. Baby's first like big boy coaster. Yeah. And I was like, I remember specifically the day that I went to ride it for the first time. I was with my aunt. And I had said, I've been on every single ride at Disneyland except for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and Space Mountain. Yeah. They scared they scared me, both of them. And my aunt said, well, now you're seven years old <laughs> and it's time to get over it. We're going to go ride these roller coasters. And I was like, well, okay. Um, and I trusted her. She was a former cast member and everything, and she's the best. Um, so she said, all right, we're going to go on Big... She, You know what? We did Big Thunder first. We went on Big Thunder, and I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. It's just a big old train. And she goes, okay, now we're going to ride Space Mountain. And then that itty-bitty little car. It's so little. <laughs> the yeah. tiny little thing that you're in. And you're right. It's like a mousetrap coaster. And I was like, oh, no, this is much scarier. <laughs> like, this is... This is this. I was right to be scared of this one. Um, but it's remained like my favorite, one of my favorite rides in Disneyland ever since. But um, I think that I like Space Mountain best when it's hyperspace mountain. Yeah. Um, I think it, it definitely benefits from the Star Wars overlay and not saying that we need to IP um, uh, Space Mountain, not saying we need to do that. 
I'm going to have people jumping at me. <laughs> um, but it benefits from that, I think, because it, it adds the context of you're the Rebel Alliance and those are the that's the Star Destroyer and you're going to go get it. Um, Admiral Akbar tells you, you know, strap in, we're going to go fight the, fight the empire. And, and you're like, all right, I've got, you know, I've got a, a mission and a thing. You're right. It needs a story. You're right. Yeah. And, and I think, I think leaning really hard into the, uh, kind of retro futuristic, like everybody's hanging out on the space station. Come on out. It's space mountain, bro. Like, let's go for a surf. Like, the original Space Mountain theme song is basically surf rock in space, right? <laughs> so, like, let's go out and catch some stardust, bro. Like, could be a cool thing. And then we kind of retroify it, but also update it. And it becomes this much more coherent, cohesive, fun space romp instead of it being space-themed. You know what I mean? Like... It's just it's just a projection on a dark wall. Yeah. It could be so much more. You're right. You're totally right. I thought for sure that you were going to take about about 5 steps to your right and go to the uh Honey I Shrunk the Audience Theater. Oh, I don't know what the heck to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's beyond me. I don't think me. anyone knows. You got to do something with that. Honestly, I'd open it back up. I'd have concerts down there. Uh, I, I've seen the original drawings and, and concept art, and that's probably what I would do with that. Make it a concert hall? Yeah. Yeah. That's probably best. Invite, like, Daft Punk every week. <laughs> <laughs> they have the cash. <laughs> yeah, they can hang out. <laughs> just, just keep Daft Punk on retainer. You know what? <laughs> See, this is why you and I would run Universal and Disneyland into the ground. Into the ground, absolutely. I'd just like, reckless spending. Hello, Daft Punk, one billion a week, please. <laughs> just hang out here. Just stand here looking like Daft Punk. This is your home now, Daft Punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You live in yep. Tomorrowland. <laughs> it's probably good that we're not running a theme park. Yeah for now let's just keep making more of this podcast we will and it kind of sounds like our conversation about rides that need refurbishment or refreshment has come to an end but the conversation always continues online online our favorite place that's not a theme park <laughs> um you can join us our best our biggest and best conversations are, of course, on our Discord server. If you'd like to uh, be added to the Discord server, but you're not on any other kind of social media, you can uh, send us an email at thosehappyplaces at gmail.com. We receive most of these submissions through our Discord server. So if you'd like to be participate in our next uh, anniversary episode, in 10 episodes, it'll be 50 episodes. Wow. Which is wild. And a huge number for some reason feels feels like a massive undertaking. And we're going to do something really big for that. So you want to join in and be the first to know what that is. Uh, be on our Discord server. Or, I suppose, just follow us on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can find me at Buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And I'm at Alice White THP on both Twitter and on Instagram. And the show is at Happy Places Pod. Uh, we are constantly talking about theme parks and engaging with theme park Twitter. And uh, we have some, some fun conversations happening there. And all news, all updates about the show you can find on our Twitter. Yes. 
Uh, uh, now, Alice, I think I'm going to add some music to this episode. What kind of music would you have added? All of the music that I picked up for Those Happy Places came from uh, Kevin McLeod. His website is called Incompetech.com. And we use all of his music under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license, which means that in order to use it on our show, we simply must say thank you to Kevin at the end of the episode and list his tracks in the show notes. So thank you, Kevin. Check the show notes for the tracks. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Hey, buddy, what is this mysterious music that seems to be ramping up right now behind us? Oh, that uh, wonderful music? That would be uh, Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Elvin. Alice, you know, it's our theme music. Our theme music. You can find this and all other wonderful tracks by the Feet Warmers at CaliforniaFeetWarmers.com. Thank you very much to the Feet Warmers who two years ago sent us an email saying, yeah, go for it, when (laughs) we asked them to use this as our theme music. And it has served us so well. So Feet Warmers, Phil, thank you for letting us use this. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, buddy, thank you. Alice, thank you. Uh, Two years. Wow. Here's to 2,000 more. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep going as long as people keep listening and longer, really, because we just love making this show. That's true. uh, Thank you all for listening. And uh, join us on our... uh, Sorry, I forgot to mention it again. Join us on our Patreon, patreon.com slash those happy places. This episode... Uh, would not be possible without it. This all of this wouldn't be possible without our amazing patrons. So, yeah, and thank we, you all we've so got much. some great stretch goals if the Patreon continues to grow. But the level it's at right now, it has enabled us to do some amazing things. So we hope that you guys stay with us there if you're already there, or you're thinking about joining us uh, if you like what we do. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places.